Welcome back to the Jag Bros Podcast, and it is a great victory morning here uh, with my two older brothers, JT and Jack. We are your Jag Bros Podcast hosts, and oh man, oh man, did the Jags play well. They fought hard and finished off the game against the Saints to go 4-0 and in this winning streak. How are y'all feeling today? Yeah, fought hard is the big word. We said in the preview this was going to be a battle. We were facing some significant injuries on a short rest. We've been traveling all over the world, but the Jaguars played well when it counted, and we are 5-2 and two for the first time since 2007. We're back, baby! Oh, I love it. Three wins in 11 games in three different cities. Unbelievable. So, JT, are you still selling this season? You feel like we need to start talking about the draft? Of course not. Not after we look like we have the last month. Unbelievable how well we're playing. That's great. Yes, we are playing great. Trevor Lawrence coming out and fighting past his injury and playing super well. Uh, We are going to go ahead and get into the overview of this uh, episode. Uh, Jack will go through our Twitter uh, Twitter interactions with all of y'all during the game and what Twitter's been up to, our X. Uh, we're going to go over the overall feel and game balls. There's probably quite a few game balls. Uh, there were a lot of players who played well in this game. Uh, we'll hit offensive breakdown, defensive breakdown, some position breakdown players who played well, who did it, who needs to make a uh, change. Great stuff, Joey. Absolutely. And we love to interact with you guys on social media. Of course, we can't do that on the podcast itself, but we love to do this on Instagram and especially on Twitter. And so we put this out this weekend. We want to hear from you. What do you want us to cover on the podcast today? So we're going to try and hit as many as possible. We already hit one. Jags Fanatics 93 said, whatever you do, start positive. Too many Jag, too many negative Jag fans out here. Uh, Jag fans 26 said, we need to talk about the lack of targets in production for Ridley. Gravy Cisco said, Cisco is having a breakout season. Agree 100%. And then Go Jaguars says, ETN's crazy season being on pace for over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. And so we're going to cover a lot of these. Again, make sure you follow us on Twitter, on social media, on Instagram. We're going to drop all those links in the description. We have a ton of fun there. But now it is time, JT, for us to pass out some game balls. Man, there were so much great things to talk about after last night's win. Not only do we get the first win ever in New Orleans as a franchise. That's right. The Jacksonville Jaguars have actually never won in the Superdome uh, throughout their entire history. Trevor also got his first win in the Superdome. He was actually only had two losses in college. Both of those came in New Orleans. Jacksonville is actually now 11-3 in the last 14 games. And two of those losses were against the Chiefs. We are truly playing like an awesome team. This is a bona fide top three, top five team. And it's incredible. And then one last stat to put a cherry on top is the Jaguars, since Doug Peterson took over, are now 10 and six when Vegas has them as an underdog. So not only are we covering a game where we might be be picked to lose by three or five or seven points, but we're actually outright winning those games, which is truly a remarkable stat. 
And so there's so many game balls to go out. Joey, I know I won't steal your thunder on, on the defensive player who I'm sure you will be picking, but I'm going to give it to Doug Peterson. Uh, the team is playing hard. The team is playing very well together. They were able to utilize London uh, as a as a launching point, just like they did last year. And 4-0 in a really, really tough spot to go on the road on Thursday night, to go on a road in a tough environment where you've never won before, and to go on the road when you've been injured and banged up. It was incredible all around. Well, with that, I'll go ahead and start it off with my defense of game ball. Uh, there was quite a few uh, big players on this. It was hard to pick just one, but it obviously has to go to Foyer Aluakon, my absolute man on the defense, running the whole show. Once again, just showing out with nine solo tackles, five assist tackles, two pass breakups, and his first ever interception TD for six. He hasn't had one of those since high school, so so glad to see him get on the board and have a big touchdown on primetime. If you're not voting for him for the Pro Bowl, then I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, Aluakon was amazing. That play was so awesome to see. Make sure you go watch Foyer getting his first NFL career touchdown. And my game ball has to go to the captain of the offense, we were talking all week. There was questions even going into the game. Is Trevor Lawrence going to be able to play or not? This was his first football game wearing a knee brace. And what does he do? He leads the team in rushing yards with eight runs for 59 yards. A lot of those key big time runs. And so he has the heart of a warrior and he really rallied this entire team to keep fighting. Even when we lost momentum in the fourth quarter, connecting on that big time touchdown to Kirk to retake the lead and to close it out 31 24 Jaguars. And speaking of Trevor and our offense, we're going to go ahead and break down the offensive side of the ball for the Jaguars. And so we were able to crack 30 points yet again, back-to-back games. So against the Colts, we dropped 37 on them. In this game, we scored 31. We did have some help, as Joey pointed out, with a touchdown from Foyer Aluakon. But what was your overall feeling, guys, of the Jaguars' offense on Thursday night? It felt great. It felt like we were getting in rhythm much more frequently. Yes, there was that lull in the third quarter. and We'll talk about that in a second, but we came out hot again. We scored 17 points in the first half, including two touchdowns uh, led by ETN. All, all, all of the, the offense I felt like was clicking for the most part. And we were getting big plays um, from some of our playmakers. I remember there was a catch where Ingram at the very beginning of the game catches it over the defender, tiptoes the sidelines, ends up getting a huge first down and, and a lot more on a play. Uh, ETN, obviously, with, with a couple of big breaks and, and the runs. But then Trevor's legs. For a guy who was supposed to be injured, I mean, he was galloping down the sideline. It felt like every other play. He had almost 60 yards of rushing, which may have even been a career high for him in the NFL. Yeah, to be questioned whether he's going to play and then to be the lead rusher of the game is pretty crazy. He's uh, played well. The whole offense played well. Uh, what I love to see is the trips that we go to the red zone, we are scoring touchdowns. We're not settling for field goals. We're not going uh, four downs and out. We are scoring touchdowns. We are capitalizing on our opportunities, and that's what makes a great football team. You don't need to have these incredible drives down the field. If your defense is good enough to give you short fields, then go ahead and capitalize it 
and we are. And that's what is so amazing is that we are finally scoring touchdowns in the red zone. That's a great point, Joey. And we have to give a big tip of the cap, especially to ETN, who you pointed out earlier, JT. In fact, in these last three games, he made Jaguars history on Thursday night by going three games in a row with two or more rushing touchdowns. So first Jaguars player to ever do that, which is pretty wild considering some of the legendary running backs we've had with Freddie T, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew. And so for Travis Etienne to have six touchdowns in three games, he's on fire and he is finding the end zone a lot. Yeah, I need to apologize to Etienne. At the beginning of the season, I criticized him for not finding the end zone that much last year, but you can obviously tell that he's worked on it because he has been running with passion strength he's breaking all these tackles he's getting into the end zone and i apologize because he is not a soft running back he is showing that he can be that guy that you bring in on third and one you don't need tank bigsby because etn is so money and and he's coming into his own in the receiving game too he had three catches for 24 yards every it seems like every game he's getting somewhere between three to five receptions uh and and potential huge plays at, at some pivotal moments in the game now he wasn't quite as productive as the running back on the other side of the field which we'll talk about that here in a second on the defensive side of the ball but it's night and day what he looks like compared to tank bigsby who only had two carries for two yards uh, or even when, when Johnson comes in for a play out now and then, I mean, ETN is playing at a top five, top three level running back. You seeing the most amount of touch touches of any other running back. Yeah. And, and you've got to talk about the big guys up front, setting up these touchdown runs for ETN and protecting Trevor Lawrence, because and for the first time this season, our offensive line protected Trevor fully, Barely even got hit, took zero sacks. Trevor was getting the ball out fast. And that is especially important considering we knew we wanted to especially protect Trevor with his banged up knee. And so you got to love the performance from our offensive line. Still not perfect, still some things to clean up, but this was our best offensive line performance of the year for the Jags. Not only zero sacks, but we actually had zero QB hits given up by this offensive line in the pocket, which was incredible. Now, we talked about beforehand that the Saints are playing at a top five, top 10 level defense at just about every metric except for pressures and blitzes. And so despite the fact that they have a very good team, they were not great at rushing the passer, but it did not matter going into this game if a team was good or bad. It felt like we're giving up pressure to everybody. So really proud to see those guys play well. I thought Sheriff had a nice game and quietly Anton Harrison is really developing into a pretty solid, trustworthy right tackle. And so as soon as you get Walker Little back, this offensive line could go from historically bad at the first couple of games to at least an average or a slightly below average offensive line, which would be a massive improvement. You said it, JT, this offensive line had a huge improvement and my hat's off to them. I've been very critical of them up to this point and they played uh, with their hearts. You could tell it was like the chiefs offensive line back when Patrick Mahomes got hurt in the playoffs game. They bowed up and they protected Trevor and we've seen it now. We know what they're capable of. So go out and do it again. And then also Walker Little coming back. You know this offensive line is going to get a, uh, even better. So 
keep up the good work. I don't want to see a regression on this offensive line. We know what you can do, so keep it up. For sure. And it's a good point, too, now that we've played all these bat-to-bat-to-bat games that we do have some longer breaks. So we have what's often called a mini-buy of we won't play the Steelers for about 10 or 11 days. We'll play them next Sunday. And then we have our true bye week, so we don't have another game for two weeks. So a lot of these guys that were out on the line and then we're also missing Zay Jones still, there's real possibility that we'll see these guys come back potentially against the Steelers and almost certainly in that big game against the 49ers after the bye. Yeah, and so that's a good transition to the receiving core. And with the receiving core, I think we had some bright spots and some eh, some question marks, I guess you could say, uh, trying to still be relatively optimistic. Christian Kirk continues to be Mr. Reliable. Six catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. That long 30-plus yard touchdown at the end of the game. Jaguars, uh, if you missed it, the Jaguars were winning by two scores. for It had the game pretty comfortably uh, in hand until all of a sudden you blink and the game's tied. The Jaguars have the ball with four minutes to go and their offense has done nothing for the last few possessions. And what do we do? We end up marching down the field, a huge play for Christian Kirk scoring a touchdown out running what felt like was half of the saints defensive players out there. Yeah. Kirk's wheels on that play was incredible. He ran by everyone. And this is the end of the game too, when everyone is tired and he dug deep. And this is what I love about this team. Why I think this Jaguars team is special because yes, they have talent. Yes. They have a lot of playmakers, but this team has heart and grit in all these games that people keep saying, this is a trap game. A lot of people were counting the Jaguars out, counting Trevor Lawrence out on national TV, saying that Trevor Lawrence is mid. What do they do in that clutch moment? Christian Kirk catches that ball right over the middle and just takes off and does not stop until he dives into the end zone. And it is important to say that he did have a fumble in the first quarter, but it's kind of fluky. And honestly, this is zero concern for him. So Kirk has played more than 80 games in the NFL now, and this was only his third fumble. So this is not a, it was a strange play where he fell down without getting tackled and then he popped up and the defender just got a a clean shot at the ball as he popped up. So he more than made up for it with the offensive play of the game, scoring that touchdown to take the lead and bring home the victory. You're right. And there's something I just wanted to bring up. It was the NFL announcers were so terrible last night with Christian Kirk scoring that touchdown and them with like no passion. They don't care about the Jaguars at all. They barely even gave him that touchdown. They were like, oh, Christian Kirk, uh, maybe he's in for the touchdown. Oh, I guess they're just going to give it to him. Like, what is that? Like, that is terrible announcing. Don't don't be hating on my boy Al Michaels. <laughs> you know, Al Michaels is, is over 70 years old. He's been broadcasting for 50 plus years, including everybody remembers the Do You Believe in Miracles Miracle on Ice game in the 1980. So, look, I, he's certainly past his prime, but if Al Michaels wants to keep announcing games and wants to be part of football, I have no problem with it. And honestly, I really think Kirk Herbstreet's done a really good job uh, in the in the few games that we get to hear him on the NFL Network or on Amazon Prime. So I, I, I hear what you're saying, Joey, and it was kind of confusing and anticlimactic as, as, as Christian Kirk scoring that touchdown. But Al Michaels is such a legend. He can do no wrong in my eyes. Well, you may be the only Jaguars who, uh, fan who believes that because they are calling for him to be fired. Jag fans are up in arms with his performance 
and how lackluster he is about the Jaguars. Because it's very obvious that he does not care about us, us at all. He's a professional. I don't think he uh, he cares about one team either way. And I certainly didn't uh, detect any bias. If Jag fans are, are up in arms about anything on the offense, I think one of the biggest question marks is why are we trying to force feed Jamal Agnew on offense and completely ignoring what should be a top five level of wide receiver in Calvin Ridley? Every time we, it felt like well, when our offense was stalling out the most, it's because we're targeting Jamal Agnew, who, from a production standpoint, had a decent game, four catches for 36 yards. But he also was almost responsible for uh, the interception that w- is ended up getting called back. Yeah, you're right, JT. I, I wasn't exactly sure why Agnew was in so much during the offense. Uh, you could tell that we kind of went away from a two tight end set. Uh, Strange was almost not uh, existent in this game. There was a lot of uh, spread out with Agnew out there. And I don't know, uh, Elijah Cooks is available. I trust him a lot more than I do Agnew. He's a much bigger target at uh, almost 6'5". Like, it would be really nice to have that big target out there. And we've seen him in the preseason and all the fans trust him. I don't know why we're not rolling him out and giving him those shots instead of Agnew, who a lot of the fans do not want to see him on the offense. We love him as a returner, but we are hurt by him, by his fumbles and some of his plays that he's had. Yeah, and I just don't think that Agnew is a top-end receiver, and so he certainly got more playing time because Zay Jones was out again, but I'm with you, Joe. I'd rather see Cooks. Honestly, the guy that I really liked in this game who made uh, the wide open catch, but a a fun play on that fake punt on fourth and one where Cook throws to Tim Jones. And so Tim Jones had a couple nice catches. He had a very strong preseason performance, and he's a guy that I'd rather see than Agnew because we know what Agnew is. Agnew can make some fun special plays, but he's just not an NFL wide receiver. He's a great returner. You can run some trick plays, some in rounds, jet sweeps with him. But JT, you bring up a great point. And this is the question I saw the most of criticism for Jags fans. And that is Ridley. I think a lot of it's probably because they're like me and perhaps have Calvin Ridley in one or two fantasy football leagues. So one catch for five yards, so 1.5 fantasy points is pretty frustrating. I'm going to turn it over to you guys. How big of a red flag do you think it is that Ridley only gets four targets, that he only gets one catch for five yards in this game? You bring up a good point, Jack. Uh, But if you're watching uh, the big picture, they were rolling and double covering uh, Calvin Ridley that whole game. The Saints were trying to lock him down, and and they did. They left open uh, Christian Kirk and some of the other guys. They were really trying to take away Ridley, and they did. You could see them all rolling towards his side, double covering him, and making it really difficult for Trevor to find him because he was so covered. That's just going to happen sometimes with having the number one guy is they're going to double team him. Yeah. I was really impressed with how Adebo played against him as well. I thought he, he was running with him stride for stride, including that long reception or excuse me, that long uh, target that we had down the sidelines where Ridley may or may not have been out of bounds, but we never actually ended up challenging that. So I think that could play into, into effect, but I also think it's a time now, Hey, we're seven games into the year. I want to do a little bit of a segment called buy, sell, or hold. And so we're going to look at some of the major offensive pieces 
this, thus far? And are you buying the fact that they're going to have more production than what they've shown so far? Are you holding, meaning you think they're going to have pretty similar numbers to what we've seen thus far? Or are you selling them at a peak? You think, hey, they played incredible thus far this year, but I think now is the time for them to, to have a little bit of regression back to uh, maybe the mean. And, and I think the, the person to start with is Ridley. Are you guys buying, selling, holding? What what level of risk do you see for him moving forward? Uh, I would say I'm holding. I think he's still trying to figure out his role in this offense. I think there are going to be games where he has over 100 yards, and I think there'll be games where he is non-existent. Uh, I, I think that's just kind of going to be his role for right now. If he's open, he'll get it. And if he's double covered, then we'll move on to a different target in this offense. Uh, I just don't see him regressing, but I also don't see him really taking that big of a leap forward. Which I think is a problem if he doesn't take a leap forward. I'm with you, Joey, and I'm holding with Ridley, but for a little bit different reason. I think holding for me more in the sense of we've seen some incredible games from him, certainly the Colts game week one and actually the Colts game uh, two weeks ago as well. So maybe he just plays really well against the Colts. He's shown these flashes where he can be a top 10 receiver in the league and maybe even a top five wide receiver in this league. And then he's had several just really bleh games. And so I think for me, you have to hold here because there's still some question marks of who is the real Calvin Ridley. Is he this guy that's going to get more consistent and be a playmaker or is he not? Because the reality is, which we talked about, he's really only had one standout season for the Falcons where he had 1,300 plus yards. Every other season, he's never been over 1,000. And so this is the big question because Calvin Ridley is going to be a free agent this offseason. It's going to be a massive question of what do the Jaguars do with him. So for now, I'm holding, but the Jaguars do need to make a decision on him in the near future. So I am going to buy, and it's not necessarily because of what I think could happen, but specifically with Calvin Ridley, but because of Zay Jones. I think Calvin Ridley gets a lot of pressure off of himself with the defense with Zay Jones coming back and being that other threat on the outside. Right now, Joey, I think a lot of defenses are cheating toward Ridley, are trying to take him away. And if you remember a few years ago when Amari Cooper and Dak and, and that Dallas offense was in their prime, they had three major weapons. And every time C.D. Lamb or somebody else went out, Amari Cooper all of a sudden was non-existent, it felt like, because teams were cheating to, to try to take him out of the game. I think with a healthy Zay Jones, you're going to see Calvin Ridley excel because ultimately he's making catches and, and doing some athletic things, even if they're on the sidelines or it doesn't count or it's, he just missed dragging a toe that other receivers are not doing. And ultimately I think athleticism wins out in this, in this, at uh, that position. So I'm going to buy him. We'll certainly talk more about him and his future in Jacksonville in, in episodes to come, but I, I would, I would look to, to do a buy low on Calvin Ridley, which takes us to Christian Kirk. Are you buy selling or holding Christian Kirk after what has been a really remarkable performance? The first seven games. I'm a big buyer here on Kirk here. I was rocking number 13 last night, wearing my Christian Kirk jersey. Love seeing him make that clutch play. And hey, we're not that far away from, you guys remember week one where he only had one catch and we were talking about 
well, is this just going to be Calvin Ridley's offense? Is Christian Kirk going to have a letdown season? Well, right now he's on pace to actually exceed last year, which was a career year. So he's on pace for 1,150 yards. He's on pace for right around eight touchdowns, which is where he finished last year. And he has been one of, if not Trevor's favorite targets, especially on big third downs or even fourth down plays. So I think his role continues to expand. I think we're going to see more and more highlight plays from Kirk like we saw Thursday night. Uh, This is where I'm going to actually differ with Jack here. I'm going to actually sell on Christian Kirk right now uh, because of what JT just mentioned with Zay Jones coming back. I think the ball will get spread out between Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley a lot more when those two are back together. And Christian Kirk's done amazing while Zay Jones has been out. He he needed to be that flash guy in the middle, and he's absolutely done that. But I think his ball uh, production and also targets will dwindle a little bit when Zay Jones comes back and Calvin Ridley gets opened up a little bit more. And you'll see some more of the outside wide receivers get some targets than Christian Kirk. But he has done an absolute amazing job as of right now. Yeah, he has 475 yards so far, 39 receptions and three touchdowns. If I'm the difference maker here, I'm going to give it to Joey. Yes, he is Trevor's favorite target. Yes, it sounds like they are neighbors and live only a couple of houses down from uh, from each other. But I, I think you're going to see some regression, especially if we're doing more of that 12 personnel that we thought that we would at the beginning of this season. I, I think Cal- C- Christian Kirk should um, trend back to re- regress a little bit. How about ETN? He's he's a guy who has is leading the league in in production he is six touchdowns in the last three games he is second most broken tackles as a running back are we buy selling or holding etn i'm buying etn i think he is literally only ascending right now this season it seems like every game he's getting better he's making explosive plays even in these small tiny holes that our offensive line opens up He's getting involved in the passing game. You see them doing fake jet jet sweeps where he's getting around and getting that corner. You're seeing him in Wildcat getting around that corner. He's just showing off how fast he is by outrunning everyone. I think that he is going to have a breakout season. And it just looks like one of those seasons like Jonathan Taylor had uh, two years ago. I, I agree with you on on ETN. I'm probably going to say hold, which this is absolutely the time to be selling him based off of what has been an incredible three run thing. But I think the other thing that I would add to your 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 talk there, Joey, is the fact that the offensive line should get better with Walker Little coming back, and so he's running behind a terrible offensive line right now. If we get some production there, you get Zay Jones in the offense too, threatening the the. The, the passing game even more. I, I think I'm going to go hold or maybe buy. Personally, I would prefer it to be more of a hold because I don't want ETN to run out of steam in the playoffs, which he seemed to do in Kansas City last year. Yeah, I agree with you guys a thousand percent. I am also going to go with hold only because I don't know how much more involved ETN can be in our offense. He is, in fact, the guy leading the league in touches. He is on pace, as we gave a shout out to Twitter earlier for at least 2,000 yards from scrimmage. And so I just don't know how much more involved he can be or how much 
more he can do. I think the reason I say hold is because the only thing I would add is Tank's Tank Bigsby has given you no reason to give him any more playing time. He's currently at 20 carries for the season for 45 yards. Yes, he does have two touchdowns, but he's only averaging 2.2 yards per carry. And so he's looked very average at best while Travis Etienne looks special. And so I think there's no reason why he doesn't have 90 to 95% of the lion's share of carries and receptions out of the backfield, even if that's not what we were predicting going into the season. And, and the final the final one that we're going to look at is Trevor Lawrence. So right now, in almost all statistics, he's, he's right around 10th. So top third of the NFL. He's got 1,600 yards, over 1,600 yards, eight touchdowns, three interceptions, a completion percentage at 67%, QB rating of 92. Are we buy, selling, or holding Trevor? This, to me, is the most emphatic buy. Look, I get, hey, Richard Sherman was on before the game saying, Trevor Lawrence is so mid, he hasn't lived up to his expectation. He's saying, you know, Lawrence is ranked 14, 15, 16, 17th in the league, all this about quarterback. But the reality is, if Lawrence has a few more touchdowns where he's had some uh, toe-touching ones that were just barely out of bounds. And the reality is ETN has had an amazing season when it comes to getting touchdowns. But if you throw on three, four, five more touchdowns, there's a real conversation for Trevor Lawrence being in the sleeper MVP conversation because of how good the Jaguars have been and because of what we've seen a new addition in Trevor's game, which is his running ability. Hey, he had only one good knee going in, and he's still the leading rusher Thursday night against the Saints with nearly 60 yards on the ground. This guy is a winner, and he showed off his heart above all, saying this was a game a lot of people were saying, well, he's he's probably just going to go easy. He's going to go conservative. If he does play, they may rest him because we don't necessarily even need this game. And Trevor says, no, I want to play. I need to play. He's the leader of this team. And if the Jaguars keep winning and if he gets some more touchdowns, I guarantee you it's going to go from, oh, Trevor's so mid to Trevor's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. This is a bye-bye-bye, bye-bye-bye, absolutely. And because of all the reasons we've literally just listed out, uh, the offensive line is getting better. Walker Little's coming back, so he's going to have a little bit more time to throw the ball. And as you've seen, the few times that he gets to actually survey the field, he never makes like a bad decision. You also see that he's running really efficiently. Like uh, That's a part of his game that really hadn't come together the last year or the year before, but it really seems that he has a good balance between running and throwing it and knowing when to tuck it. Every time he runs the ball, he's at least getting about six yards and not taking big hits. And then also Zay Jones, his absolute favorite red zone target is coming back. Yep. Completely agree with you boys. Bye, bye, bye. Jim Cramer is buying this stock. We're doubling down. I think he's going to finish top five in almost all those categories. And you just continue to see this progression game after game. He's learning from the mistakes that he's made. He's improving. He has a ton of confidence. I, I think we're going to see him continue to excel in, in into that, that upper echelon. Let's now transfer over to the defense that has been an, a surprise for this year. They've played their butts off. They play strong. They play takeaway football. And it has been an defensive-led team, not an offensive-led team like everyone thought going into this year. 
The defense still is playing just as good as they always been. They've only had kind of one game where they didn't play well, but they keep coming up with these takeaways. They're scoring. They're looking incredible. Let's break down the defensive performance. Yeah, and here's where the box score doesn't tell the whole story because, yes, we gave up 24 points to the Saints, but if you were watching the game, the first three quarters, the Jaguars' defense was amazing. The Jaguars had two critical fumbles in the first quarter. They were kind of fluky plays, which I'm sure we'll talk about the special team one in a minute. And yet both times the Jaguars defense stepped up in a major way where the Saints get these two turnovers, get good field position. In fact, one time in there in the Jaguars red zone and the Jaguars hold them to only three points. Those first three quarters, they were shutting down Derek Carr. And Derek Carr, you could see him on the sideline yelling at wide receivers. This seems to be a reoccurring pattern of the Jaguars being able to get in the uh, opposing quarterback, the opposing offense's head. And so I was loving it on the sideline. Yes, the fourth quarter was rough. And I think that's where the fatigue has caught up to the defense. You saw Cisco not be able to go a lot of the fourth quarter. We found out because of cramps and just this is where you're playing four games in 11 days hurts. But the defense stepped up when it needed to the most stopping them once made it through the fourth quarter. And then again, stopping them on fourth and goal right there on the three or four yard line where Monteric Brown goes up against one of the best young elite wide receivers and Buster Brown makes that play. So I think this is a story where the defense deserves a lot more credit than the box score will say. And not only did the defense play four games in the last 11 days, they were also on the field for 36 minutes and 10 seconds. They were on the field so long with those two turnovers. They never really got to leave the field. So they had to bow up for a long time. And then unfortunately with Foyer Luakon's pick six, now you have to go right back out on, on the field. It was an exhausting day, but to see their heart to not uh, break, they bent a little bit towards the end of the fourth quarter, but they didn't give up the touchdown. They held them. They played incredible. I absolutely love our defense right now. Even uh, backup players are stepping up, and they realize their roles. Buster Brown played great. He knew that he was filling big shoes with Campbell. He said that he went and talked with Williams and Campbell trying to get his head right for the game. And he also brought out a bunch of family to this game because he knew it was going to be big. And to be that last play of the game, to make that play and almost make an interception, that was huge from him. He wasn't perfect during it. He let up a little bit, but for his second year and kind of his first ever start, I thought he played exceptionally well. You see these people stepping up. Chad Muma stepped up when Lloyd went down. You are seeing a team that's playing together and playing strong, and I'm absolutely loving this defense. I love Mike Caldwell for putting them all together. Across the league, scoring is down right now. So the defenses are playing well, but the Jaguars' defense is playing even better than average. And one of the things that I think this shows up in is we're actually starting to take away what the offense wants to do against you. So many times you'll see different styles and like, hey, is it going to be the offense that dictates the style of play? Is it going to be the defense that dictates the style of play? Well, the Jaguars defense right now is dictating the style of play. Every now and then they will give up a, a decent sized play or a drive here and there. But by and large, we're taking away what the, that team wants to do. So we're 
when we were breaking down the game, we were talking about how the Saints are a big play offense. They have in the first six, excuse me, in the first five games, they had 23 passing plays that were greater than 20 yards. They like to throw the ball downfield to Alave. They like to throw the ball downfield to Rahid Shahid. And we gave up one play of 20 yards or greater. And that was a dump off pass to uh, Kamara who ends up scoring. We frustrated them so much. Yes. Kamara had a million catches for uh, it seemed like every other play was a dump off pass to Kamara, but we were completely satisfied. It's like, you know what? If you want to do that, fine. We're, we're just going to make an open field tackle, which for the most part we did. And we're going to force you to play a style of football that you don't want to play. We did it against the Bills. We took away their deep threats outside of the second to last drive. Uh, we took a, we did that to the Chiefs, completely shutting down Kelsey in that game. Whatever it is that we have learned year over year, Mike Caldwell do, is doing an exceptional job right now. And it seems like we are dictating the pace of play in the games. That's a great point, JT. And you especially see it with someone we were talking a lot about in the preview, and that's Chris Olave. And we felt like this was going to be a big matchup with Campbell not on the field. Campbell, of course, is our number one cornerback. He would have been lining up with Olave. And so Derek Carr, the Saints offense, they wanted to feed Olave a lot. They targeted him. 15 times, and yet he only had seven catches, so less than 50% of the balls thrown Alave's way were caught, and then he didn't have any big plays. He only had 57 yards, averaging about eight yards per reception, and so that's a great point, JT. This defense is playing special. They're young with the potential to be elite, to be one of the top defenses in the league, and I think you're seeing it especially on limiting what the Saints want to do and limiting what the other team's offense wants to do because that's why you're seeing Derek Carr get so frustrated. The coach, the Saints coach after the game was blaming Derek Carr. He was blaming the players at halftime. And so the Jaguars defense, they're just frustrating the other team right now. You want to talk about frustrating. Mike Caldwell is doing a great job drawing up some blitzes to frustrate the quarterback because we know that we don't have the best edge rushers, so he's having to draw up some of these plays, rushing Oluwakon, bringing Trey Herndon, who is showing that he's actually an incredible outside rusher, watching him bend around the corner, almost taking down Derek Carr, causing an interception, and also we saw Smoot come in with a sack, and it was just Really great watching him draw up all these different blitzes. Uh, Luakon came streaming down the middle, and one of them almost almost taking Derek Carr's head off. It was great to see that he knows that he needs to come up with some creative plays to get this blitz going, and he's doing it. And they are doing a good job performing. Uh, I mean, you have Lloyd playing incredible with five tackles, pass defended. Uh, Blackson up the middle had a really great game with five solo tackles. Smoot, as I said, with his sack and two solo tackles. It was just a great game up front for that defensive line. Yeah, and for you Jaguar fans who are hating on the announcers, Kirk Herbstreet was gushing over Lloyd's play and talking about how much better he's looked and how he's running stride for stride with some of the faster players on the Saints covering the edge. I thought Lloyd had his best game. There are a couple of times where he made some crucial stops right there on the goal line. And something I saw today, too, is that I think the Saints ran about 20 plays inside the 10-yard line. 
So we're not rolling over and just letting you score as soon as you get close. We're making you earn every single point, which is just another reason why I'm so pleased with how this defense is playing. And the reason that's possible if you're watching JT is the Jacksonville Jaguars are tackling amazingly. The open field tackles that we were making last night were coming up and right when you're catching it, you're tackled. We are not giving up yards after catch that you see. And the like one time that we do is usually the big play, but almost 95% of the time we are right there going after the ball, getting the great tackle. Uh, Wingard had some good open field tackles. Williams is coming up making huge plays in the open field. It is incredible to see them doing that. And that's why you're also seeing them stopping them on the third down. Three out of 18 for the Saints on third down. That is awesome for the Jacksonville Jaguars defense to be stopping them 15 times out of that 18. 15 times they stopped them from getting that first down. That's an unbelievable stat, and I just want to jump in with you guys of just a big big round of applause yet again. Coach Caldwell is calling impressive game after game and deserves so much credit because he knew, and all the fans in the Saints stadium knew that the Saints have been struggling to score in the red zone. They've been several drives, double-digit drives without scoring a touchdown. And so you even heard it several times where the Jaguars stopped them again and again and again and again on third down, where the Saints fans just began to boo and boo and boo. Really, they didn't cheer at all until the fourth quarter. And that is a major credit to Coach Caldwell, knowing what the Saints are struggling at, knowing what we can do well which Joe, you point out our our tackling was unbelievable and it's hard to score when they can't run the ball inside the 10 and when we're just making beautiful tackles. In fact, Kamara didn't have a running touchdown. And so major, major props to coach Caldwell. Yeah. And one last point before we shift gears from the defense, Darius Williams and Trey Herndon are also (laughs) need to have a shout out because I, I is, is, is I think an elite blitzer. He, he plays that slot corner much better than he played the outside. I know in Jaguars teams past that he's been on the outside. And he's been a li- sometimes a liability, but I think he's playing very well. And then Darius Williams continues to play at top notch level with uh, another pass breakup there on a, on a critical down. You're, you're not, you can't throw it against him. And so once we get Campbell back healthy, this, this defense will continue to get better. And they're so young. Yeah. I mean, with this defense, we're looking at possibly four different players who are pro bowlers right now are playing at that level. Cisco is looking like a pro bowl safety. Williams is having a pro bowl year at corner. Foyer Luicon, easy pro bowl middle linebacker. And then Josh Allen, pro bowl on that edge with all the sacks. And he was so close at least two or three times. I don't know what it is about Derek Carr, but he couldn't bring him down. There was one where he literally had him in his hands and he just slipped down, but he still had a really great game. You could see he's getting tons of pressure. It seems like he's playing better every game, and it's not like years before where he just disappears. I'm seeing him almost every play. Those are four people who are playing at Pro Bowl level right now. Yeah, and one more thing on Josh Allen. You're right, Joey. His stats didn't show up in the box score, but another very strong game where his win rate was nearly 30%, which is incredibly high. That's one of his strongest games 
this season for Josh Allen. So no sacks show up on the box score, but if he keeps playing an elite level, trust me, you're going to hear Josh Allen get a lot more sacks this season. And I'm, I'm turning on to your uh, page right now, Joey. And I think we need to pay Josh Allen right now, because if he keeps playing at this elite level, the cost is just going to go up, up and up because he is a free agent as well this off season. I said at the beginning of the season, we should have paid him then and getting a better deal for him because I knew he was going to perform. Everyone's like, I don't know if he's going to perform. I was like, I just knowing the guy that Josh Allen is, how dedicated he is to the Jaguars. He bleeds teal. He works so hard. You knew, I knew that he was working hard when he wasn't even practicing with the Jaguars. He's going out and getting special training to learn how to finish these sacks. And you can tell it's paying off. I think we should have paid him earlier and gotten him cheaper but we i mean we have to pay him because if we don't then where are our sacks going to come from yeah he's he's going to be expensive i'm afraid so we'll see what happens and 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 some talking points for the offseason for sure with that we'll go to coaching and special teams sometimes a quicker segment but there was a lot of big plays and, and big moments that happened that were let a direct responsibility of the coaching and special teams. Obviously the biggest play was the fake punt that we had. So if you don't remember this, this was a time where we decide to line up in punt formation is fourth and three in plus territory, meaning inside the saints territory where we, according to Logan cook in the, in the press conference afterwards, he mentioned we it wasn't necessarily guaranteed that that was going to happen. Every every game, there's four or five different punt uh, looks that they would give if the if the special teams defense gives it to them, and if they line up in that, they're going to take advantage of it. Unfortunately, they left Tim Jones open, which was a huge momentum play for us at, at that time. So. Uh, I kept the drive rolling. I think we eventually score a touchdown or at least some points there. So. Hey, great to see the special teams having a positive play, especially after a really unlucky play where our our, our gunner gets blocked into Agnew, causing a, a muffed punt uh, just a few possessions earlier. Yeah, the only special teams note I want to give here is a shout out to McManus. He had a good game. He was one for one for field goals, four for four from extra points. The big news was for him personally going over a thousand points scored in the NFL, which is amazing. Not many guys do that. So big round of applause for McManus. Big shout out to you, man. And I have a shout out for Jamal Agnew, who made a big uh, change if you watched at the beginning they had this sort of rugby punt and he didn't catch it and he watched it roll almost 30 yards and it turned this ugly punt into like a 60 yard punt. He realized what they were doing and they tried to do it again and then he caught it right on the line drive causing a short punt and flipping the field that led to the Christian Kurt touchdown. So that was a huge heads up play by him realizing that they weren't going put to nor- punt it normally and we we're going to try to do this line drive punt and he, he recognized it, saw it, and flipped the field for us. So another huge play by Jamal Agnew as a returner. And hey, we're going to give a little teaser for next episode, guys. 
in the breakdowns, a lot of this analysis we we called and projected in the the Saints breakdown. And one of the things that we called out was the idea that we should see two or three trick plays. And what did we see? We saw the fake punt. We saw the uh, the double pass for Trevor. We knew this might be a little bit of a slog fest. And so, uh, great call out, great coaching as well by Doug Peterson and Press Taylor. And hey. Guys, we're five and two going into week eight against Pittsburgh. Definitely give our, our next episode a listen as we break down another important, uh, important matchup in a matchup where we've dominated when we played in Pittsburgh. So a little spoiler alert there. That's going to be an exciting game. It seems like we're going to have almost all of our injuries back. Walker Little is trending in the right direction to play. Zay Jones is supposed to play. Hamilton is going to be back. He's at 100% practicing, so I'm guessing he'll be back for the game. And it just seems like everyone's coming back for the Steelers game, which I believe is going to be a huge game for us. Yeah, it's going to be huge. It's going to be a lot of fun. We go up against them Sunday, October 29th at 12 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Eastern there in Pittsburgh. It's an opportunity for us to extend it to five wins in a row. And as JT said, a lot of this stuff, uh, we want to give you great insights, great previews to that game. So one way you'll make sure to get every single Jag Bros episode is to hit subscribe right now. So you may be listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We are on every podcast platform. So make sure you hit subscribe and then also do us a huge favor. Give us five stars, which y'all been doing amazing. We're almost at 30 five-star review. So big thank you to each and every one of you, but be sure if you have a few minutes to, to write a quick five-star review as well. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've got to read one on air. So we would love to read and give you a shout out on air with a five-star review, but the Jaguars have a couple of days off now. And, uh, but we'll be back with the preview episode here in a little bit for us going up against the Steelers. But right now we're riding the wave five and two, Four wins in a row. Let's hear you, Jag Bros. Duval. Duval.